digital products. I'm talking things like courses, workshops, membership sites, ebooks, basically anything that you can sell online in a digital form. It also could take the form of something like templates or PDFs that you sell on Etsy or on your own site. There are so many different forms of these products. Some of them are information products, whereas others are some sort of tool. Even software can be considered a digital product. And in this digital age that we are living in today, there is just untold opportunity to be able to sell digital products and even make a living doing so. And that goes whether you are someone who is particularly skilled, perhaps a software engineer or an app developer, or if you are a practically unskilled person or you don't consider yourself to be a skilled person, we all have some basic skills when it comes to writing or design, not necessarily both, but we've all got some basic communication skills. We all have some knowledge and those things can be communicated via digital means and then you can sell this digital product that you create. So in this episode, I really want to introduce you to the opportunity of selling digital products, what exactly that looks like, what the big picture strategy is, how you can get started in a really practical way, the step-by-step process that you need to go through to create and start selling digital products, and plenty of different tips that I have for you along the way, because there are certainly, while I wouldn't say right and wrong ways to do a lot of these things, there are better and worse ways, ways that will get you better results and ways that will get you less good results. And also certainly ways that you can get much better, bigger results with less effort. So that's what we're going to be covering in today's episode. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to Work Less, Earn More. I'm so glad to have you here. And I can't wait to get into this topic because digital products have quite honestly changed my life. They are how I make the majority of my revenue, perhaps the entirety of my revenue if I think about it. And they are truly what has allowed me to be able to make a great living working from home with a really flexible schedule. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Okay, so let's get on into it. We are going to be going through this in a step-by-step process because I'm a very linear thinker. And so when I think about how to get started selling digital products online, I immediately start coming up with a list of things to do to make that happen. But along the way, as we go through this list of steps, I'll also be sharing a lot of advice that I have for you as a beginner with digital products for getting the best results. So when it comes to selling digital products online, I just want to be totally like clear from you from the start that what you are really doing here is starting a business. Now, I don't want that to scare you because starting a business doesn't need to be a a big, scary thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can keep it really simple if you want to. You can create a simple PDF template and create an Etsy account and sell that on your Etsy account. But I just think that it's important that you go into it with the right mindset. You are starting a business and you might want to make it more complicated. You might want to turn it into a bigger thing. 
But one of the reasons I want to bring this up now is because many of you might be aware that you will be starting a business. And I want to let you know that when you are first starting out selling digital products or thinking about selling digital products, don't worry about that fact. Don't think that you need to go out there and get a business license or register your business or even necessarily open a business bank account or set up a website or do anything like that at the very beginning. With any business idea, but especially something as lean as digital products can be, it is so much better to just start taking action, just start testing and trying different ideas, just start getting out there, talking to people, finding out if people are even interested in that product that you're going to offer, even making your first few sales, dare I say it, before you have properly set up your business because you can waste an incredible amount of time and effort and energy into simply setting up a business without making a single dollar for all of your efforts only to find that your business isn't even a viable idea because you haven't first validated your idea. So make sure that you do the important and a bit of the money-making work before you go to all of that work. So with that disclaimer of sorts out of the way, let's move on to what I see as step number one, which is idea generation. Somehow you have to come up with an idea of what you are actually going to sell. What is this product going to be? Now, I find that the most important part of this idea generation process is simply coming up with a lot of ideas because it's very easy to put yourself into a box and feel like you have very few ideas and then really limit your options. So instead, I want you to kind of dream big, dream outside the box and come up with a lot of ideas. This is certainly brainstorming. They don't have to be good ideas. We want to just throw a lot of ideas out there, even some crazy ones, and get the wheels spinning. So when I'm talking about generating these ideas, there's two main things we want to think about. One is the topic of the product. Is it going to be a productivity product? Is it going to teach people how to raise goats? Is it going to teach people how to garden or how to bake bread? Is it going to be a tool for accountants to use or a tool for designers to use? So that's the first kind of category, the first factor of the product. What is the topic slash who is it for? The second factor we want to consider is the format of the product. So is it going to be a course, a membership, an ebook, a template, an app? And then what you're going to do is you're going to mix and match these two different things. You know, is it going to be an app for designers? Is it going to be a template for designers? Is it going to be an ebook for moms? Is it going to be an ebook for designers? Is it going to be an ebook for gardeners or a course for gardeners? Now, as you can tell right now, I'm talking kind of big picture. You know, who is it for and what is the format? As you start to think through this, you, of course, are going to be thinking about it from your perspective based on your experience, your skills, your interests. And as you think about each of these different kind of groups of people you could make a thing for, I think that you will start to find that you come up with more nuanced ideas. Maybe you could make an ebook about homeschooling your kids or getting started homeschooling your kids for moms. And again, it's an ebook. Or maybe you're going to make a style guide for people to use to start to figure out how to put outfits together out of their closets. Or maybe you're going to start a membership that's centered around teaching regular people basic economics so that they can be better citizens. 
As I started off by saying, though, the key point here is simply to come up with a lot of ideas. The more ideas you come up with, the better, because the more ideas you come up with, the more you are going to be stretching yourself and tapping into ideas that maybe you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And the more ideas you come up with, the more you will be choosing from. And that means that the greater opportunity there is for you to find better ideas. So once you have all these ideas, how do you narrow it down? How do you decide which of these ideas you should pursue? Which of them you should create? Which of them you should try to sell? Well, that is going to come down to a few factors. The first one and the one that honestly I believe is the most important is which of these ideas are you the most excited about? Now, I don't think this is the only thing you should consider, not by a long shot, but I do think it is the most important because the fact is that most people, when they do this exercise, they come up with several really good ideas or many really good ideas, many ideas that could be profitable. But if you choose the idea that you simply think is going to make the most money, then most of the time people have a lot of trouble seeing that idea through to fruition seeing it through to turning it into a profitable business. Because as I said before, we are starting a business here and a lot of the time that ends up being a little bit more complicated than we think it's going to be at the outset. A little bit more involved, taking a little bit more effort and energy and time. So go through your whole list of ideas and put a mark such as like a tally mark next to each of the ideas that you are more excited about. The next thing you should consider when it comes to choosing which of these ideas to pursue would be which one would be easiest for you to create and especially considering your own expertise and skills? So there could be something that you're really interested in, a topic you're really interested in that you don't know very much about. And so it would be difficult for you to create that digital product because you would need to learn a lot. You would need to do a lot of research. Or there might be something that you know a fair amount about, but you know that producing a video course about that topic would be really difficult because it would need to be really hands-on and you would need to really show what you were talking about, but you don't have the equipment, just as an example. So go through your list of ideas now and put a tally mark next to each of the ideas that would be easier for you to create. And then the final factor it's very important as well. It will be the most difficult for you to make a proper assessment of right now, and that is the demand of this idea. How much demand is there for this? How many people out there are interested in buying this product and how much would they be willing to pay for it? Now, if you have a bit more information about the market, then you would want to consider these as two separate factors. Whereas on the other hand, if you have very little information about the market right now, then you can consider those two things together Right now, I know you don't know this for sure, but I want you to just use your gut instinct, your common sense, and put a tally mark next to each of the ideas that you think there is more likely to be more demand for. And of course, you'll be basing this off of whether you see that there are a lot of people out there who are interested in this thing, whether you've noticed that people ask questions about it, whether you personally know people who need help with this topic. So at this point, with your list of ideas, you will have some that have no tally marks, some that have one, some that have two, and some perhaps that have three. And this is immediately going to narrow down your list. Now, quite possibly, you now have a few ideas that have three tally marks or four if you decided to separate the popularity 
versus the value of the product. And these are the ideas that I want you to focus on as you continue through the next few steps here. And these are the ideas that I want you to focus on as you continue on into step three, which is market research. So with market research, you are going to actually start to test one of these ideas. But in order to do this and in order to continue with this process at all so that you can start actually making money with a digital product, you will need to choose one idea to test first. So of those ideas that have the most tally marks, simply choose one based off of your intuition, based off of which one you are the most interested in to test out first. Don't worry about making the perfect decision or the right decision. Most likely you have several ideas on your list, maybe even many ideas on your list that would be good options, that would be profitable businesses. And there probably is not a black and white best option because each of your different ideas will have different pros and cons. Maybe one could make you more money, but would take more time to create. Maybe one you would enjoy creating more. So this isn't a black and white issue simply choose one of these ideas to start moving forward with. I know that this can be a really tough thing to do. When you are faced with several ideas, it can be paralyzing. You can feel stuck. You can get really in your head about this and spend weeks, months, even years pondering this decision and debating it with yourself and not moving forward. But I just want you to think about that. When we think about these two options, either you can think about it for an indefinite period of time and make zero progress, and maybe eventually choose maybe the best idea. Or you can choose one of them right now and just start moving forward with it and start getting more information. And then in just a couple months time, you will either have figured out that this business idea you chose is a great option and you'll have made a few months progress on it already and avoided wasting potentially years not making any progress. Or you will have figured out that it is not the right option. Maybe there's not demand for it. Maybe you don't enjoy it as much as you thought you would. And so now you can cross that idea off your list and move on with more information. So it's always best to just make a decision and start moving forward with that because that's what's going to get you more information and enable you to make the best decision ultimately. So with a tentative decision made, we can move forward to step number three, which as I mentioned is market research. So when it comes to market research, there are lots of different ways you can do it. And I would encourage you to explore your options, to look around at things like Facebook groups and forums online, to look into market research for the industry as a whole. But the thing that we find at Startup Society makes the very biggest difference when it comes to really figuring out whether or not there is demand for your product and how easy it's going to be for you to sell is to try to find a handful of potential customers, a handful of people who would be your target audience, who you would actually sell this product to and talk to them. Now, I actually ended up building an entire program, an entire accelerator program around this concept and the beta launch process is called Validate because we found that this made such a big difference with people's end results, such a big difference with how quickly people started getting results. So there's a lot more that could be said about this, but I want to give you just the quick version right now, which is if you are having trouble finding people to talk to, well, you're going to have trouble finding people to sell your product to. If you're having trouble engaging with people and starting conversations, well, you're going to have trouble closing sales. 
And if when you talk to these people, they don't seem that interested or they don't really seem to have a problem that needs to be solved, they aren't eager to learn more about your product. Well, again, you're probably going to have trouble actually successfully selling your product. And so this is the very first step when it comes to validating your idea. And it is also the most important type of market research for you to do. So you might be wondering, what exactly does this look like? It means that you are looking at your first and second degree connections, meaning people you know and people who know people you know, like friends of friends, and you are trying to find people amongst that relatively small group of people who might be interested in this product idea that you have. And then you are connecting with them and you're asking them if you could interview them or you could ask them a few questions about the topic of your product. And then you connect with them and you ask them questions about their desires, that is what they want their motivations, why they want that thing, and what obstacles are stopping them from getting that desire that they have. This is the process we have students walk through in Validate. We have specific questions that we have them ask because this is what gives you the most valuable information about whether there's demand for your product and about how to sell your product. Because what you can do then is you can take the words that those prospective buyers said to you about their desires, their motivations, and the obstacles that they're facing, and you can literally copy and paste those words and phrases into your marketing copy. And that is what will guarantee that your marketing copy really connects with your prospective customers. It really speaks to the target audience. As people often say, it resonates with them. They understand the words because those are the same words that they use to describe what they want and why they want it and what's stopping them that is so frustrating. Okay, can I get really real with you about something for a minute here? I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks you should be able to learn how to grow your business without spending thousands of dollars on bloated training. Seriously. There's no reason it needs to be as expensive as a lot of online courses are. That's why I don't offer really pricey coaching. I want to teach real people how to build really profitable businesses at a price that actually makes sense. So I asked myself, how can I connect with you in a really personal way, teach you everything you need to know to grow your business and help you actually do it? And how can I guarantee this won't cost an arm and a leg? Asking myself those questions four years ago is how I came up with the idea for Startup Society, the program I wish had existed when I was struggling to get my online business off the ground. So if you're a freelancer, a coach, or a course creator, and you want my guidance, plus the support of my own team to build your business, then Startup Society is for you. Just head to startupsociety.com to learn more and find out when enrollment next opens. I can't wait to meet you, show you the ropes, and guide you to start growing your business a whole lot faster. StartupSociety.com. Building an online business doesn't have to be so complicated. With your market research complete, the next step for making money with digital products is to plan a beta launch. Now, I know that it might seem way too soon. Way too much, way too soon. You're not ready for this. Beta launch? What? You haven't even created the product yet. But really, this is what I recommend. It's what we teach in our programs because this is what is going to give you more information sooner. It's what's going to get you making money sooner and getting the best results long term. I'll get into that more in just a minute. But let's talk about this beta launch. 
planning your beta launch. First thing you need to figure out is what exactly is your offer. This is where you are going to choose a name for your product. You're going to outline what is included with the product or what the product actually looks like and does. We just want an outline here of what is covered, what is included. Second thing is when. When will the beta launch happen? We generally recommend choosing a three-day period for your first beta launch. The next part would be the other part of the win, which is when will the product be delivered? Will you start delivering it on the day after the beta launch or the week after the beta launch? Just choose a date when you are going to send the product to your customers. Then you need to choose how are you going to deliver it? Is this going to be a course that's delivered over a series of live Zoom sessions? Will it be pre-recorded? Will it be a PDF? If it is a PDF, is it going to be like an ebook or a template or what actually is this going to look like in a really practical way? And how are you going to send it to them digitally? The next question for planning your beta launch is who are you going to attempt to sell this to? Who is your target audience? Define who will need this product, who will want it. Don't focus too much on demographics here. Focus more on psychographics. For example, demographics are things like people's hair color or where in the country they live or their gender or their income. Psychographics are more about what they want and their motivations and what is important to them. Now, both of these things can be important, but I always like to go back to just a really practical, common sense approach here, which is just like, think about what would matter when it comes to does this person want your product or not? Don't you don't need to know what color their hair is. You don't need to know what they like to eat for breakfast, probably, unless your product relates to how they care for the hair or what they eat for breakfast, right? But whatever your product is, think about the aspects of their life that it touches, the aspects of their life that it affects, and what factors are important there. So for example, if this is a product about how to have an easy labor and delivery of your baby, Clearly, this is going to be a product for women, not men, right? But if it's a product about how to plant a garden, how to plant your first garden, well, that's not going to be so gender specific. Now, maybe you want to create your product more for men or more for women, in which case you would include that in this description of who your product is for. But just don't worry about details that, if you think about it, are unnecessary. The most important thing to consider is what is their desire? You want to make sure that you are clear on the desire that all of your target customers will have that will lead them to being interested in your product. And then the flip side of the desire, of course, is what problem are they trying to solve? What is that obstacle that they are facing? What is the challenge that they're trying to overcome? Sometimes these two aspects are a little bit more disconnected. Where, for example, when it comes to the industry of starting your own business, maybe the problem that they're facing is that they hate being tied down by their job. And so their desire is that they start their own business. I'm sure you can see how those two things are related and why they have that desire based on that problem that they are facing. But they're not directly related. They're not literally two sides of the same coin. So you might lead with one or the other. Maybe you've already decided what problem you want to solve or you've decided what desire you want to help people achieve. But whichever one you have already picked, you want to think about the flip side of it. Now, the final part of planning your beta launch is to set a few goals for your beta launch. I would recommend that you are really conservative about these, that you keep them small in terms of the end result. 
You don't need to make a hundred sales or a thousand sales or make a million dollars to validate your idea, to get some information about who wants to buy your product so that you can have an even more successful launch next time or to consider this launch a success. Really a handful of sales will do that for you. It will provide proof of concept for your product and the viability of your product in the market. So I would recommend that for your goal, you choose somewhere between three and 10 sales as your what we call invalidate your validation threshold. So if it is a lower cost product, you'll want to choose as many as 10 sales. For example, if it's a $15 ebook, 10 sales, that's going to be your validation threshold. On the other hand, if it's a higher priced product like a course that costs a couple thousand dollars or a coaching program that costs a couple thousand dollars then three sales is sufficient. So you have your conservative end goal, but here's where we want to be a little bit liberal or a little bit over generous is when it comes to the numbers that you need to hit that goal. So for example, let's say you're trying to make three sales. Well, how many leads do you think that you need to generate to be able to generate those three sales? Most likely you need to generate at least about 30 leads. And then in order to generate 30 leads, well, how many people do you need to reach out to? How many people do you need to try to connect with? That number is probably going to be somewhere in the realm of five to 10 times that 30 number. So more like 150 to 300 people that you reach out to. Now, like I said, I'm being very overgenerous here. We probably don't need to talk to that many people, but if we want to ensure the success of this launch, then I want you to be liberal with these numbers because these are the numbers you can actually affect, directly affect. You can guarantee that you reach out to 150 people or 300 people. You cannot guarantee how many of those people convert into leads or convert into sales. Now, quite honestly, the numbers are generally way better than what I just shared with you. We generally see somewhere around the 40 to 50% conversion rate for these beta launch tactics. So most likely 40 to 50% of the people you reach out to are going to turn into a lead. 40 to 50% of your leads are going to turn into a sale, which is fantastic. And it just comes from having direct one-on-one -on -one personal conversations with people and using sales psychology principles in your marketing. But we want to err on that generous side so that we can ensure the success of this launch and we can make sure that if your product isn't validated, if you find out there's not demand for it, it's not because of lack of effort on your part. It's because there truly isn't demand. One last thing about this before we move on to the next step, and that is that as you launch into this beta launch and you start talking to people, if you get the 30 leads you need after talking to just the first 50 people, well, you don't have to keep going. You don't want too many leads right now because your business is in its infancy or it might even not have been born yet. And so you're not set up to handle a large number of customers. You aren't set up to handle a large number of sales even. So we want to make sure that you stop once you hit that, in this case, 30 lead goal because you don't want to generate more sales than you can handle. That is a recipe for a lot of stress on your part and some unsatisfied customers as well. So, so far, we've talked about step one, idea generation. Step two, choosing one of those ideas. Step three, doing market research to confirm there is, in fact, demand for your idea and to get some valuable information about how to sell it. 
Step four, planning the beta launch. And now we come to step five, which is setting up to sell. So in order to sell your digital product, you need some sort of sales system online. This does not necessarily mean you need a website, but the main thing I want you to consider here is that there are two main options. One is selling on your own platform and the other is selling on a third-party platform. So a third-party platform would be something like Amazon or Etsy. Your own platform would be your own website or a standalone shopping cart system that you have set up. Your own platform also includes things like Teachable or Thinkific, a course platform that you're selling your own course on, but wouldn't include something like Udemy, which is a public course platform where people can go and buy one of many different courses all in one place. Now, you can totally see success with selling either in a public place or on your own platform. The difference really is going to come down to the type of work that you are going to do and how your business strategy as a whole is going to work. If you are using a public platform like, say, Etsy, then a lot of your work, especially once your business is really up and going, will be about using SEO Etsy SEO to be specific, and getting reviews on your products and that sort of thing. Whereas on the other hand, if you're selling on your own platform, you don't hardly need to worry about either of those things, but you will need to worry about generating traffic because the only way that anyone will even find out about your product is if you somehow tell them about your product and tell them where they can find it. Whereas over on Etsy, that is kind of built into the platform. They will stumble across your product, at least if you have worked on your SEO. Now, one benefit of selling on a public platform is that the systems to sell the product are already all set up. You just have to create an account and you're off to the races. The downside, though, is that you will constantly and always face a lot of competition. And this will really limit the price that you can sell your product for. You will be selling essentially a commodity. People will be trying to decide which product to buy on Etsy, for example, based on the reviews and the price and the images of your product. Whereas if you're selling on your own website, you will face a lot less competition and you can really market your product on its own merit and people will choose to buy your product if they feel that the product is worth the price, often without even comparing it to alternative options. But on the flip side, one downside of selling on your own platform is that you do have to do a little bit more manual work, at least up front, to set up your systems to sell. There are easier ways to do it and harder ways to do it, but here are a few options you might consider. You could sell your product on your website with some sort of payment process set up on your website, like a PayPal button. It's not really what I'd recommend, though. Instead, I'd recommend either choosing a dedicated shopping cart system such as SamCart or ThriveCart, or these days there are a lot of different options built into systems you might already use. For example, if you've been working on building your email list, well, ConvertKit has a built-in shopping cart feature where you can sell products directly with ConvertKit without needing an additional software. I know that MailerLite also has a similar, really easy-to-use built-in shopping cart option. Or if you're building your website on Squarespace or Shopify, certainly, there's a built-in shopping cart there that you can use. If you don't have a built-in shopping cart, though, you can use something like SamCart or ThriveCart, as I already mentioned. Or if you're selling a course or a membership, then you might use a course platform or a membership platform like Teachable for a course or Uscreen for a membership. 
Now, when it comes to setting up to sell, the two main things you need to configure are, first of all, how will you receive the payment? And second of all, how will you send the product to the customer? So you need to make sure that you have some sort of email delivery system in place that will automatically send out an email that includes a link that will give them access to the product. At this point, you will have everything set up and ready to go, ready to start making money so you can start your beta launch. During your beta launch, you're going to want to focus on generating leads and then closing those leads. I would recommend via direct one-on-one sales conversations. The sales conversations are so key because when you're first starting out, you're trying to make your first few sales, you need to make sure that you are getting the highest conversion rate possible. So here's what I mean by that. When it comes to marketing, when you have a large audience, you use mass marketing tactics. You're trying to sell to thousands of people all at once. So we use things like email marketing or webinars. But those marketing strategies only convert at between 1% and 10% generally, meaning that if I have 100,000 leads, I might make 1,000 sales or even as many as 10,000 sales. But when you're first starting out and you only have 100 leads, well, that means you'd make between 1% and 10 sales. And a lot of the time you don't even have 100 leads. You might have 50 And that could mean that you make between zero and five sales. And so it can be really hard to make money and even tell if your idea is working. So instead, you need to make sure that you are using marketing tactics that have much higher conversion percentages. And those tactics are going to be direct personal tactics where you are engaging with individual leads one-on-one. You're having conversations with them and you are answering their questions directly, you're speaking to their fears or concerns directly, you are giving them examples that specifically relate to them, and that will convert so much better. Now, some of you right now might be thinking, but that's not scalable, that's not passive. No, it's not, it's totally not, which is why you're not going to keep doing that forever. But when you're first starting out, like I said, you just need to make those first few sales. You need to get the ball rolling. You need to make your first few dollars. You need to get some testimonials. You need to start working on growing your audience. If you are working with less than 100 leads for sure, and probably even less than 1,000 leads, then you are going to want to really maximize each of your leads and make the maximum number of sales you can with these direct marketing tactics. Once you complete that, though, once your beta launch is complete and you have successfully validated your idea or possibly you haven't and you've decided to test a different idea. But once you have a validated idea that you have successfully made at least three to 10 sales of, then you get to move forward to step number seven, which is going evergreen. So this is where you are going to start implementing those mass marketing tactics. You're going to start implementing email marketing systems and webinars and building an evergreen sales funnel because that is what will allow you to scale your business and to generate passive income consistently month after month. And that's really where our program 100K Mastermind comes in. That program is a 12-month mentorship that is specifically designed on this phase of the process. Taking your offer evergreen, turning a product that's earned a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand, into an offer that's consistently earning $10,000 plus month after month. In 100K Mastermind, we whip through the first four phases in just the first three months to get your Evergreen Funnel up and running. 
Then we double down on phase five for the entire rest of the 12-month period because that is where you need to focus on driving traffic. Your evergreen funnel could be very strategic. It could be written wonderfully. It could be incredibly persuasive. But if you are not sending traffic into the top of your funnel, then it can't generate any sales for you. It doesn't matter if your conversion rate is 50%. If you have zero leads, then you're not going to make any sales. And so that's why the final step of this process is driving traffic into your funnel. Now, I like to focus on not just building an evergreen funnel, but building evergreen traffic generation systems. Because your income is not going to be passive if you keep having to work to generate traffic. So we want to make sure that we are not just building evergreen sales systems, but we are building evergreen traffic generation systems. So I'm talking about things like writing long form content on your website that gets ranked on Google so people can keep finding your business, keep finding your website over and over again on Google for years to come. Or doing the same thing with videos. You can create a few high quality long form incredibly helpful videos, post them on YouTube, and they can keep sending you traffic for years to come. You also could set up a network of affiliates who are working to promote your product and they're earning commissions, and so you keep generating sales yourself. There are several great options for generating traffic, but just make sure that you're strategic about it and that you don't get on that content hamster wheel. I only want you making content continually if that's what you want to do. Otherwise, this should be a one and done type of project that you can finish and move on to enjoying the system that you've created. Okay, so that covers the eight steps of making money, selling digital products and how to get started with that. This was big picture strategy for you. Before we wrap this up, though, I do have just a few final thoughts that I think are important when it comes to getting started. The first one is when should you get started? Should you do this next year, next week, when you have a good idea? I would recommend that you get started with step one of idea generation ASAP. Maybe not today, you know, maybe you've got a busy week this week, but set a date on the calendar that's no more than two weeks in the future. This doesn't have to take an enormous amount of time to get the ball rolling, but the sooner you can take step one, the sooner you will get paid. So just make sure that you are thinking about that starting sooner and then taking each next step sooner. Don't give yourself too much time because that is going to put off the earning of the passive income from the digital products indefinitely. Another thing I wanted to mention was just that I know a lot of people get hung up on just step two, which is deciding which idea to pursue. Most people, if they put in the effort, they can do step one. They can come up with ideas, but then people get really hung up on choosing which idea because it feels like they're saying no to all the other ideas. So if that is you, I just want you to know that there are a couple resources available, a couple podcasts and videos that I've done in the past. I will try to link those in the show notes for this episode. But also, if you want a little bit of handholding through that process, if you want us to push and shove you to make a decision and move forward with it, you might want to consider our next Validate cohort because that program includes a lot of handholding and also just a lot more information about how to make that decision of which business idea to choose or which product to create in a really kind of black and white practical manner, which I know that a lot of people who are struggling to make that decision find really helpful. 
And finally, related to that, if you are interested in joining Validate to test drive your product idea, I just wanted to give you a tiny bit of information about that. We typically run the accelerator, the Validate Accelerator, two times per year, generally once in the winter and then another time either at the end of the summer or in the fall. And so if that is something that is interesting to you, then you'll want to get on the wait list so that you find out when we enroll for the next cohort. To do that, you can just go to gillianperkins.com slash validate. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash validate. And what you will probably see when you get to that page is a tiny bit of information about validate and a form that you can use to join the waitlist. There's a small chance, depending on when you listen to this episode, that you might land on that page when we are actually enrolling, in which case you'll see a lot more information about validate on that page and the link to actually sign up. Either way, if you have any questions about the program, don't hesitate to reach out. You can always email my team and myself at contact at gillianperkins.com. Again, that email address is contact at gillianperkins.com to ask us any questions that you have or give us feedback on the show. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back again next week with another one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.